Welcome to the At TSN Hockey Every Other Friday Bobcast, featuring the original hockey insider, Bob McKenzie. Hey, that's me, answering your questions on hockey or just about anything else, within reason, of course. If you have a question you would like answered, email me at bobcast at bellmedia.ca. That's B-O-B-C-A-S-T at bellmedia.ca. And we'll try to get it on the Bobcast. We were a blowout of wicked proportions. An accidental company. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the At TSN Hockey Bobcast for, um, huh, it's a good question. What is this for? Well, I mean, we can use this week's date, the week of September 10th, 2018. But I don't even know what episode number to call this. I guess we'd call it season three. Yeah, season three. It's the third year we're doing it, so season three. But I'm not even sure you can call this a Bobcast in the traditional sense. So I'm not quite sure how to do the labeling. And to be honest, I have been giving a little bit of thought to the Bobcast, um, and I'm going to be giving much more thought to it. What form it should take this season? Should I even continue to do it? Trying to noodle around with a lot of stuff in my mind and sort through all of that. So for now, I guess, let's call this the Liar Liar Pants on Fire edition of the Bobcast. And, and savvy Bobcast listeners will know what I'm talking about. The last Bobcast I did was June 15th, 2018, right after the Cup Final and just before the NHL Awards and the Draft. And at, at the end of that one, um, which if I look back here was season two, episode 20, I suggested, and I should point out, I, it was not a promise, it was only a suggestion, that I might follow it up four or five days later with a mini Bobcast to um, sort of handle the overflow of team-related questions um, that I didn't get to that day. Well, you know, I got to Vegas for the awards and, and I was busy with draft prep amongst other things. The other things would be having dinner at Beauty in Essex in the Cosmopolitan. And by the way, if you ever happen to be in Las Vegas and you happen to be in the Cosmopolitan Hotel, by all means, I'm urging you to go to Beauty in Essex. That's the restaurant, Beauty and Essex. Um, it's one of the best restaurants I've ever been to, bar none. And so, um, as I said, between Draft Prep and Beauty in Essex, the old mini Bobcast kind of fell through the cracks in Vegas. Sorry, not so sorry. The the real apology, though, is that um, Season 2, Episode 21, which was supposed to be the final Bobcast of the 2017-2018 season, well, it, uh, it, it never got done. And, and quite frankly, I just ran out of time. That week leading up to free agency, I was running around like my hair was on fire. Everything also seemed to be so fluid in the days leading up to free agency that I really feared whatever I laid down on tape a few days before free agent frenzy would be dated so quickly. And I sure as hell wasn't going to come back after July 1 when I went on vacation and do a Bobcast. Anyways, one thing led to another. Finally, I had to say, F it, can't get it done. Sorry, actually sorry on that one. So um, all of our Bobcast listeners will be getting an absolutely full refund for me dropping the ball on episode 21 last late June. Uh, of course, since the Bobcast doesn't cost you anything at all, you're getting nothing unless maybe you count these uh, bonus Bobcasts I'm doing this week. And, and let's explain what the hell these are. Um, as I've sketched it out here, there are going to be seven of them, one each for uh, the, the, the seven Canadian teams. And, and I guess that these are more or less previews 
of what the opening day roster should look like for those seven Canadian teams. And I guess I want them to effectively replace the general manager interviews that I've done in the past number of years. Now, um, people will remember, and I've gone started the, the season every year for the last three, four, five years, whatever it is, um, going to Penticton in British Columbia for the Rookie Showcase Tournament. It was great. The Vancouver Canucks were there. The Jets were there. Uh, the Oilers, the Flames. So I had all four Western Canadian general managers all in one location. Uh, and I could zip in for like two days and, and bang out four in-depth sit-down interviews with the, the GMs. Well, this year the, the Canucks and Jets were there, but the Oilers and Flames weren't. They stayed in Alberta to do uh, sort of informal rookie games in their own area. And so... I just scrapped the whole Penticton trip. If I couldn't get all four GMs in one place, it, it became a little too difficult to do. Um, in the past, it was easy peasy. This year, not so much. So I didn't go to Penticton. And this year, instead, I, I spent the weekend uh, that I normally would have been in Penticton and then coming back to, to rookie tournaments in Toronto or Montreal. Um, I talked to the general managers uh, of the Western Canadian teams over the phone and as well as the coaches, and, and just basically tried to hammer down and, and get a feel for what their uh, their teams are going to look like. Now, you know, I, I view these as replacements for the general manager interviews, and some fans are going to get all up in my grill about the fact that I did interview Toronto Maple Leaf general manager Kyle Dubas last week, and uh, the, everybody's going to start with the whole, oh, you like the Toronto Sports Network, and we, we get all the time anyways, which is fine. But um, the, the two reasons I did the Dubas interview as a one-off, uh, as opposed to doing all the other guys, is that, number one, he's the new kid on the block, never interviewed Dubas, and uh, all the other general managers had been interviewed multiple times before. And number two, um, I could get in my car and drive downtown to get the interview with Dubas, and that's why it ended up being a really easy one-off for me. Um, but if you're a fan of the Canadian team um, outside of the Leafs, and I, and I will get to the Leafs eventually, um, then you've come to the right place for what I think is a really detailed look at your club as training camps get set to open this week. So whatever you want to call these, I do hope you enjoy them. And sometime over the next couple of weeks, I am going to take a little more time to think about the Bobcast, the form it was in last year, the form it should be in this year. Um, should I do it every week? Can I do it every week? Should I do it just stick to every other week? Should I interview people, have guests? I don't know. I, a lot of things to think about and uh, and whether it's even worth doing because, as I said, um, I just started doing the Bobcast out of the goodness of my heart. And so um, if it makes sense, I'll do it. And if it doesn't, I won't. But anyways, I'll think about all that. In the meantime, here's a preview of the Montreal Canadiens. There's really not too much point in even trying to roll out what the potential lines for this year's Montreal Canadiens might be because I really think there are just too many variables. Um, there are literally so many options for the Habs. And now I think we've got to be careful when we say so many options, that's usually a positive. Um, this should not necessarily be construed as a really good thing, I don't think. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not sitting here going to forecast outright disaster for the Habs. Some people are. Um, I'm more in a wait-and-see mode. I think they could still be a competitive team. Um, but what I'm saying is that training camp is going to be a time when head coach Claude Julien is going to do a lot of experimentation. He's got so many unanswered questions. So for most of the Canadian teams, um, Ottawa accepted, and, and certainly Montreal, um, 
you know, I feel reasonably confident you can project this guy's going to play with this guy and, and form some pairs, if not some lines. But with Montreal, um, I think that's a fool's game. I have absolutely no clue how these guys might line up. Now, bigger picture for Montreal, the problem, as I see it, is that the Montreal Canadiens have too many of what, for lack of a better term, I'll call legit National Hockey League wingers. I count at least a dozen or so um, at their camp right now. And not nearly enough quality options at center. I mean, this comes as no surprise to anybody. What have we talked about year after year after year? Montreal's Achilles heel for quite some time now has been the scarcity of top-end talent at center. And, and that is certainly true again heading into this season. Um, you know, so one of those currently unanswered questions is um, with Montreal is can the Habs roll out Philip Deneau, Thomas Placanitz, and Jacob De La Rose as three of their top four centers and compete for a playoff spot with that group? Because I think if you look at it objectively, those are their top three natural centers currently on the roster. Now, I should point out, though, that, you know, there are other some options still. Claude Julien wants to see if Matthew Pekka is ready for full-time NHL duty with the Habs. Now, he's the 25-year-old fourth-year pro. He's got 20 career NHL games. Real nice college career at Quinnipiac. Um, played the last little while in Syracuse of the American Hockey League and got those 20 games in with the Tampa Bay Lightning. Is he capable of stepping up and securing one of those four spots? And if he is, what might be a reasonable expectation in terms of producing some offense? All I know is he's going to be given a real long look, and the Habs seem somewhat bullish on him as a possibility to be one of their four centers. Now, let's make one thing perfectly clear. Philip Deneau is an NHL center, and he's a decent NHL center. But, I mean... He had a career year two years, two seasons ago in Montreal when he had 13 goals and 40 points. So it's really pushing it to suggest that, that he would have the offensive chops to be even a second-line center in the National Hockey League on a good team and, and don't even you know suggest that he could be a first-line center. That's not even in the conversation. Um, and on most really good teams, most teams would be looking at Deneau as a third- or a fourth-line center. Then you've got good old Thomas Placanitz, Plecky, uh, soon to be 36 years old. Um, and again, he's also an NHL center. I'm not going to disrespect Thomas Placanitz, but he's unquestionably in the, the sunset year or years of his career. And, and I thought he played real well for the Leafs in a short-term shutdown role in the playoffs once he got a, a designated role for Mike Babcock's team. But whatever he's got left, I, I think it's a, fair to say he's a lot closer to third or fourth line center than anything in your top two lines. You know, his goal totals over the last number of years have gone from 14 to 10 to six last season. And he's gone from 54 points three years ago to half that or less than half that 26 last season. You know, De La Rose is another guy. You could make a case that, yeah, he's got the tools to be an NHL center, but he only had four goals and 12 points in 55 games last season. And, I think that speaks volumes. And as for Pekka, as I said, the jury's still out, but he's going to get every opportunity. So I, th I think it's safe to say that the Habs' natural centers um, with NHL experience will, will, will not be driving what you would call a high-powered offense. Um, and yet, the Canadians feel like 
their future is bright at this position. Um, they're, you know, they've got longer term, not this season, certainly. They've got collegian Ryan Paling, who looks like a pretty good one. He'll be coming in time, but obviously not this year. And the, the Habs' current assessment of Jesperi Kotkaniemi, the, the third overall pick in, in this past draft, um, and, and recently re- acquired uh, Nick Suzuki in the Vegas deal for Max Pacioretty, they're really excited about these kids, and rightfully so. But I think the feeling amongst most, probably including the Habs, is that they may need more time, that they're not ready to step in and contribute. Maybe they could step in and play. Can they step in and contribute and do the job right now at an NHL level? That might be a reach. But, again, that's what training camp is for. Claude Julien really wants to get a good assessment on both Kotkaniemi, see where their game is, his game's at. Same thing with Suzuki. Um, so because of that, um, you know, the... The guys I mentioned, you know, Deno and uh, De La Rose and, and Pekka and Placanitz, and, and then those kids, I don't think anybody should be overly surprised if Claude Julien does this year what he did last year, and that is look at the option of playing some natural wingers in the middle of the ice. Now, the, the, the two, I guess, guys at the high end of that possibility are Jonathan Drouin and Max Domi. Drew of course, did it last year uh, at times. Max Domi, of course, coming over in the Galchenyuk trade. Um, and, and so I think one or both of those guys um, could end up in, in the middle of the ice. I don't think you can discount any scenario uh, in that regard. Now, if it's only one of them moving from wing to center, I think it's probably too soon to say which one. Now, as I said, Drew has a little more experience um, at the center ice position. Um, and, but I think that's what training camp's going to determine for Claude Julien. Um, is Drouin going to be a center? Is Domi going to be a center? Um, and, and find out who they might or might not have some chemistry with. You know, keep in mind, Drouin's numbers dropped last season from the year before, um, because I think in part because he was adjusting to a new position. That's a, that's a big ask. Um, and, and Domi's coming off back-to-back nine-goal seasons in Arizona. And certainly the Canadians made a calculated risk when they traded away Galchenyuk's goals for Domi. But I, I'd, I'd like to think that Max Domi's going to be rejuvenated playing in a hockey market like Montreal instead of Arizona. And I think he's certainly capable of generating a lot more offense than we've seen from him in each of the last two seasons um, with, the, uh, with the Coyotes. Now, even if one or both of Drouin and Domi were to find themselves in the middle of the ice, the Habs feel, I think, really confident and feel like the strength of their hockey team, outside of perhaps goaltender Carey Price coming back, and we'll talk about him in a little bit. Um, I think the Habs feel like the, the strength of this team is that they do have decent offensive depth and ability to score goals from the wing. Now, out of necessity, and, and keep in mind there, there are no surefire 30 and never mind 40 goal guys on this roster. Um, the Canadians offense this year is likely to be a by committee approach because there really are a gaggle of guys here who can score 20 or more goals. Thomas Tataru came over in the Max Pacioretty trade. Well, he scored 20 or more goals in four consecutive NHL seasons, almost five. If you give him the benefit of the doubt on his first full year in the NHL, he scored 19 goals. 
Um, Paul Byron's coming off back-to-back 20-goal seasons. Brendan Gallagher had a career year last season with his 31 goals and, and 54 points. And I don't think it's unreasonable to think that he could duplicate those numbers, especially with the amount of quality ice time he's going to be getting. Um, you know, he's, he's going to be the team's heart and soul guy up front. I don't think there's any, any question about that. But by the same token, it's not absolutely 100% <clears throat> excuse me, guaranteed that Gallagher is going to come back with, with 30 goals and 50-plus points. Um, I think the Canadians are expecting more from third-year pro Arturi Lekkinen. Um, he's got 30 career NHL goals over his first two seasons, um, and I don't think there's any question he's a, a, a guy to be a double-digit threat scorer again, but maybe he could get 20. Um, Joel Armia coming over from the Winnipeg Jets. He's also a double-digit goal-scoring threat, as is returning Charles Hudal. Uh, I think we'll obviously have to wait and see where a guy, a younger guy like Nikita Sherbeck's game is at. Um, you know, he played NHL games last season, um, but is he ready to take the step and become a full-time NHLer this year and contribute in some offensive way? Uh, Canadians would love to get another 10 goals from Nick Delorier, who does a real good job of giving them some size and grit on the on the bottom half of their lineup. And I think I'll be really interested to see what happens with Mike McCarron this year. Um, he's going to need to prove this year that he's a full-time NHLer. And I've, I've mentioned with other players on other teams in the previews that it's a bit of a crossroad season for McCarron. Uh, time to declare whether you're a full-time NHL player or not. Uh, we shouldn't forget about Andrew Shaw. Now, he is coming off knee surgery. And, um, and he's had some concussion issues. Uh, not yet cleared to play. May or may not be ready around the beginning of the regular season. But once he's healthy or assuming he gets healthy, there's another legit NHL winger, also one who can play a little center in a short-term pinch. Um, though, you know, let's, let's not confuse Shaw as a, as a game-changing forward in the top six or the top nine. So as I said, uh, that's lots and lots and lots of credible NHL wingers, albeit maybe not as high end as you would like for a team that would like to think of itself at some point here of, of being a contender. Now, all the, most of those guys that I mentioned are, are going to score in the double digits. And as I said, perhaps 20 or more. Um, but uh, unless Drouin really takes off offensively, uh, there's not many or any, I suppose, really high-end or elite scoring wingers and scoring talents um, that would suggest this is a cup-contending hockey team. It seems to me so many of the winger options for Montreal appear to varying degrees to be interchangeable that, again, it's impossible to get any kind of real read on who might play with who. And I think Julian's big task in training camp is to find out does this guy have chemistry with this guy? Is there, is there some natural duos there? And, and again, you know, do you, do you want to load up? If you decide that Drew Ann and Domi are going to play wing, do they play wing on the same line? Do you, do you load those guys up on a first line? I think the Canadians would tell you that the, the strength of their lineup is that they, they could have a balanced attack, but we should not necessarily confuse a balanced attack with being able to score goals easily. Um, And it's not as if the Canadians have the blue line personnel right now to suggest that there'll be any sort of defensive juggernaut 
certainly to start the season. Uh, quite the opposite, in fact. Um, the forecast for blue line stalwart Shea Weber, who's now, by the way, 33 years old and hasn't played a game since mid-December of last year, um, is that he could be back uh, by late November of this season. And that maybe is the best-case scenario, but don't kid yourself. If you're relying on a player of that age, age 33, with some high mileage and, and coming off a serious foot injury and then a, a knee surgery that derailed his season last year, uh, and now he hasn't been able to use this summer for a normal, if you will, training session and, and be fully ready to come into the season, um, well, let's just say that there's some question as to where Weber's game is going to be back when he does get back. And heaven knows the Montreal Canadiens desperately need what Weber provides for them. You know, as it stands now, I guess the top pairing for the, the Montreal Canadiens is the useful and perhaps somewhat underrated Jeff Petrie, who, um, who turns 31 this season on the right side. And, and then you've got 20-year-old Victor Mete on the left. Now, I absolutely love Mete's game. I love his speed. I love the tenacity. I love the skill that he's got, the smarts, the ability to get up ice, to create offense. Um, and I think he's probably, given the fact he's only 20 years old, he's a bit of an underrated d d defender. But as I said, he's 20 freaking years old. And, and with only, what, 49 NHL games to his credit, he could be getting a lot of tough, tough matchup minutes against some of the other team's premier offensive players. And, and that's not an ideal situation uh, for a kid that young, and you can't insulate him as well as you would because of this lack of depth on the blue line. You know, the Habs' other top four blue liner, in this case, it's actually a top three blue liner, is 30-year-old is Carl Alsner. Now, signed as a free agent in, what, the summer of 2017, I think it's just fair to say he's going to need to be better this year than he was at times in his first year in, uh, in Montreal. I don't think the Canadians really have a legit top four D-man on their roster to round out the, the Petrie-Mete-Olsner triangle. So short-term strategy is to send Shea Weber to Lourdes and, and hope for the best on his recovery and then try to plug this hole with someone, anyone, who's, who's healthy and on the roster. Now, it could be guys like a veteran Jordy Ben or David Schlemko, um, two guys who were very much in, in their mix last year. Schlemko did have some health problems over the course of the season and maybe, maybe never got fully untracked. But uh, neither one of them was able to, with their opportunity last season, to really demonstrably declare that they're comfortable in a, in a top-four role. Um, and as I said, some of that had to do with injury, but uh, nevertheless, it gives you an idea of the, the, uh, the lack of depth and the lack of marquee value on this Montreal Canadian blue line. Um, some younger guys in recent acquisitions will round things out um, in competition for regular work um, and some top six duty. I mean, homegrown Noah Juleson's a good young defenseman. He only played 23 games last season. He'll be looking to take that step to become a full-time NHLer. Uh, Mike Riley, who uh, the Canadians picked up at the trade deadline from Minnesota, is another guy they're hoping is going to be able to discover uh, um, the ability to play in the NHL on a, on a full-time basis. Here's something he couldn't do um, with the Minnesota Wild. And they're also going to give uh, Renat Valiev a good long look, the, the former Maple Leaf prospect who also came over in a trade last season before the deadline. 
As far as depth option goes, I mean, they, they signed ex-Detroit Red Wing Maxime Olette um, to, to, to try and provide some depth in that role. And I'm going to be curious to see um, how things go for um, PTO blue liner Simone Dupre, uh, see if he can rediscover his game now. He only has played one, what, one NHL game over the last two seasons. And he's dealt with a lot of injuries and off-ice issues that I guess you could say really derailed what was at once at one time, uh, a promising career for the guy that was taken in the first round of the uh, the 2009 draft. So whatever way you mix and match these blue liners, it's not going to be an overwhelming group. And it could well be something of a liability if the Habs uh, don't get max effort output from them and don't get Weber back as quickly as they hope or if Weber comes back and isn't as healthy and is on top of his game as you'd like him to be, which is probably where we should start the conversation on Carey Price. And I mean, let's let's not kid anybody here. Last year was a really tough one for him. Uh, he did have injury issues. Uh, and when he was playing, he, he just didn't seem to be at his normally high level. And uh, he really seemed to lose his way in the 17-18 uh, season. But it's a new season. It's a fresh start. And I, and I think any discussion at all of the Habs possibly being a competitive team this year or, you know, competing for a playoff spot begin and end with Price being an absolute game changer, just taking his game back to an elite level and, and reassuming that Mantle is one of the game's top goaltender, if not the best goalie in the National Hockey League. Overstating the obvious that Carey Price must be at 100% efficiency this year for the Montreal Canadiens to make any kind of noise. Uh, certainly looks like Antti Niemi has the inside track to be his backup. Uh, Niemi went through something of a renaissance and potential career revival last year once he got to Montreal. Um, so with that experience behind him, I think he's the more logical choice to be Price's backup. Charlie Lindgren's in the, in the mix as well and will want to have a good camp. But I think Montreal would rather have Lindgren play better, sorry, play a lot more uh, in the American Hockey League and certainly try to play better than he did at times last year in the American League and be a number one goalie in the AHL rather than have him on the bench um, behind Carey Price. Um, there's a lot of noise in the Montreal market right now um, and not much of it is positive. Let's, let's be honest here. I, I think fan and media disenchantment with general manager Mark Bergevin is at an all-time high. Um, but uh, there's no question Owner Jeff Molson, certainly to this point anyways, has been solidly behind Bergevin. And um, it remains to be seen how much that confidence continues, especially if the Canadians don't get off to a good start this season. Um, I'm not sure a lot of people envision the Montreal Canadiens as a cup contender. I certainly wouldn't put them in that category. And unless Carey Price is otherworldly and everyone stays healthy, and, and all those NHL wingers have career offensive years, I guess you could allow for the possibility that, that they could contend. But, you know, what if Price is just okay? What if Weber is longer returning uh, to, to the lineup and has missed so much time that he can't come back um, on top of his game? There are a lot of, uh, lot of variables that, that could go the wrong way for the, the Montreal Canadiens. So as I said, there are um, lots of scenarios where one could envision things getting off the rails in Montreal this season. But I think let's owe it to, to, to let this thing play out, 
see what training camp brings in the way of a lineup, see what they're looking like on opening day, and uh, let's see if any of the kids can step up and surprise. Um, and in the absence of that, um, they're going to have to try and get by here with elite goaltending, and maybe they can get this scoring by committee, eight to ten guys up front who can uh, score 20 goals or more. Okay, that's it for the At TSN Hockey Every Other Friday Bobcast. Hope you enjoyed today's show. If you would like to submit a question on hockey or just about anything else, email it to bobcast at bellmedia.ca. That's B-O-B-C-A-S-T at bellmedia.ca, and we'll try to get it on the next Bobcast. Be sure to follow me on Twitter. That's at TSN Bob McKenzie. And for great hockey coverage all year round, follow the at TSN Hockey Twitter account and make tsn.ca your source for all things hockey, especially for the Tuesday and Thursday editions of Insider Trading with myself, Darren Dreger, and Pierre Lebrun. Thanks for tuning into the Bobcast. See you next time, and have a great weekend.